Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. are pretty nice. I like all the trees. It's pretty. Now where's that? I'm supposed to meet a professor here. Am I early? Hopefully I'm not late. Uh. Hello? I'm new here. New to, new to the plane. I think uh, you're, you're here for the Faith Forge Academy. Um, correct. Yes, yes. A, I'm, uh, I'm Professor Reginald. Professor Reginald from a... Um, Yes. RPGU? Yes, it's it's a runic language. It's very long and very complicated to say, so we just abbreviate it to RPG. It's it's easier for the kids to say. Ah, interesting. Uh, well, I'm Professor yeah. Perseverance. Um, welcome to the academy. At the center of the school, we have a the singing tree, which is a source of magic for us. Um, and I am the most recent headmaster. Well, I, I love your grounds in a singing tree. Do, like, does it actually sing, or is that just kind of a word play? Well, um, that, uh, it's done? sort of if um, if you have a connection to magic, there is a song that that some hear, um, though most cannot. Oh, well, that's pretty nifty. But no, it, the, the grounds here are, are beautiful. And how long have you been headmaster for? Oh. I'd say it about um, two weeks. It's a pretty new, oh, <laughs> pretty well, new job. <laughs> congratulations on the the recent promotion. Hopefully, it was a peaceful transition of power. Well, I mean, the school got over or almost overthrown multiple times, and so we decided it was cha- time for a change in leadership. Um, oh, I hate when yeah, that a happens. Few, a few students got eaten by shadow monsters and. There's like an undead god mm. trying to take over the school and stuff. It's, it's, a, it's a whole mess that I'm trying to clean up, but yeah. uh, I'm sure nothing will happen to you. Don't wander into the thicker trees uh, on the east end of the academy, uh, though. Noted. I made sure to bring my spell book and weapons, so I, I should be able to hold my own, but I'll keep you, or I'll take you up on that offer of staying away from the, uh, the eastern wood. So. Wonderful. Shall we uh, begin the tour? Right this way. Class is in session, and today, we're taking a field trip down the street to Fay Forge Academy. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the uni- university from Not Quite Here's podcast, Tabletop Galaxy, and one of the co-hosts of Anime Attaché, and of course, the reason we have him here, he is the tail weaver and creator of the Fay Forge Academy, the passable DM, far better than just a bad DM, <laughs> Stephen Garcia. How's it going, Stephen? I'm doing very well. Wow, you did a you did a, a real deep dive. I didn't expect to hear some of the names of those shows. That was awesome. Of course, of course. <laughs> That's really cool. I, I do my um, research. What can I say? But welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really really excited to to be here, and I always love chatting about some uh, 
some TTRPGs and stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I had one of your players on previously, Chris Gideon, and, and they spoke very highly of you and, of course, Fae Forge Academy. So I was like, I have to I have to reach out to you and uh, uh, get you on to to talk to you and just nerd out Chris, a bit. Chris is Chris is the best. Chris, oh, is, Chris is awesome. Like, they are so talented and hilarious and just a gem of a human. I will say, though, Chris did leave Professor RPG stranded by himself in the middle of a desert. Uh, well, so, so I don't know how Professor actually made, or how Reginald actually made it out of the desert, but he did. <laughs> so he could planar shift to the Forge Academy. I mean, if you got the right components, oh, what's yeah. a desert going to do to stop you? What are components? I feel like that's one of those, unless it's just like a super special diamond or expensive thing, components are superfluous. But, um, they're fun, they're fun, uh, they're fun flavor. Yeah. Uh, Actually, one of our one of our players, uh, Emily or Valina, who plays Blossom in our podcast, uh, is really intentional about like looking at what the spell components are, mm-hmm. like in the player's handbook, and then whenever they describe a spell, um, like uses those different pieces and stuff is really cool. Oh, very nice. That is very cool. Oh. That is very yeah. cool. Um, but before we dive in to your creation, the world of es- of Avestria. Where did you? I want. I want to go a bit further back. Like, when did you, Stephen, kind of get into tabletop? What's What's your nerd adventure? What's your nerd journey? Oh, what's my nerd journey? Let's go back, back to the beginning. Um, so the first time I was exposed to tabletop role playing games, I was in junior high, uh, and one of my friends got the um, Wizards of the Coast Star Wars RPG D twenty game. Um, I didn't know Wizards of the Coast made a Star Wars t- tabletop. Huh. They do not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have that license. But back in, it's, gosh, this was probably 2000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so we would go up at lunch uh, in junior high to the library um, and and play this Star Wars RPG. And I don't re- I remember I was playing, I played a Zabrak, so like the same race as um, Darth Maul. Okay. Uh, and somehow, because we were, it, well, it's not somehow, it's because we were junior hires. Like after two or three sessions, I like owned multiple copies of IG-88, the bounty hunting droid. I owned the Millennium Falcon. I had like a hundred million credits. Um <laughs> It was great. Wow, was those must time. have been quite the heavy sessions to um, amass <laughs> such a fortune uh, so quickly. Yeah, it was it was it was fantastic. Um, but yeah, so that was the first my first exposure to like tabletop role playing games. Um, sorry, I'm gonna get a little closer to my mic. Uh, but uh, I was I, I like I started playing. Um, I got a I had a Game Boy when I was like five, and so um, and always like my favorite games were always role-playing games, though I didn't know that that's what they were at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked Pokemon, and then I liked um, Zelda, and um, kind of going from there. And then um, after junior high, um, well, af- we we kind of shifted more into, um, like, tabletop war, war games, mm-hmm. uh, particularly, like, Warhammer and Warhammer Fantasy, Warhammer 40K and Warhammer Fantasy. Oh, um, I have to know. I, I also play 40K. What's your army? Or, like, what armies do you or did um, you play? I used to have a Deathwing army. Okay. Um, I had I I owned and had painted. I don't have them anymore. I wish I, I actually wish I did. <laughs> but uh, I had about eighty Terminators, eighty Deathwing Terminators 
Um, wow. And it was it was pretty awesome. Um, and then I, I still have my Wood Elf um, Warhammer Fantasy Army. Got like 10,000 points of Wood Elves in my in my garage my wife's always my wife's always like why why do we why do we have this i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna paint them all someday one day um, <laughs> uh so we did that for a long for a long time though i i primarily I actually didn't play very much i mostly painted okay um because um yeah i i have i have some um like anxiety disorder adhd and depression a, a few a few mental health things and so i was always very anxious about actually playing games like in game stores and stuff like that so i just mm-hmm. sit in the corner and paint quietly to myself um and then uh the guy who worked at games workshop um who was our friend uh unfortunately lost his job and so then we all found a, a different a different game store to go to that was just a your standard local gaming store um and i started seeing people playing like D and um, lots of other games that were not Games Workshop centric, um, and so just kind of watched them from the corner for a long, long time. Uh, started to get into like once I got into like my how old was I? Mid twenties or something like that. I started uh, listening to um, some D and D podcasts, particularly um, they're now called Greetings Adventurers. At the time, were Drunks and Dragons. <laughs> I um, love that name. Start, start started listening to them. Um, which they're hilarious, by the way, um, not kid friendly, but, uh, um, and then, and then as I was listening to them, I was like, I was like kind of pushing back on that anxiety of like, oh, I could never, I could never like play RPGs. Like I couldn't do that role-playing game. There's too many rules. I'd forget stuff. People would think I was a bad gamer or whatever. Um, and I started listening to them and I'm like, oh, this is just like a bunch of friends dicking around. Yeah. <laughs> and I could, I could do that. Uh, and uh, called up called up my nerdiest friends was like, hey, you guys want to try to play D and D tonight? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. Went out and bought the fifth edition starter box, uh, and like pulled the shrink wrap off as they showed up to my house, and we just figured it out together. And then uh, fell in love with with tabletop RPGs. So very very yeah. cool. Now in that in that journey that span, when did the idea for what would become Forge and your world kind of start forming. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a few years after that. Um, I started um, DMing a different show called not quite heroes, which you mentioned, which was a really, really fun pro- podcast, great group of people. Um, and it was this like collaboratively world built world. And I had a ton of fun. Um, really felt like I was starting to get my feet under me as far as like being a, a GM, not just for the people around my table, but for a show. Mm-hmm. And then um, there was a supplement released by Astrologo Press, a small indie publisher um, called Witch Plus Craft. And um, it was a crafting supplement for for fifth edition D&D. Uh, and it was all about like it was like this whole large magical crafting system that was really cool. It's it's really cool. It's really fun. Um, and I started like reading through that and a lot of the ideas they had in there. And I started thinking like, you know, it'd be fun is like I know magic schools are like everyone loves a magic school. But what if it was like a magic crafting school as opposed to like wizard school? Mm-hmm. Um, and then and so that was kind of the first seed. And then I started reaching out to a, to a couple people. Um, I was like, "Hey, would you be interested in like 
being a part of a show that was like this was the and it was still a very very loose idea like Mm -hmm. this school of magical crafting and you would be a student and go on adventures and and all that stuff and then um and then i had a group of people who were all interested and i was like oh wait I didn't actually expect people to say yes to this. Um, and then we we all kind of got on Discord, had a had a phone call, and started kind of dreaming about what the world would be and what kind of characters they would play. And from that point, that's where I really started diving in the world building because I, I wanted the world to reflect the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I mean, I always that's, – that's, that's always a dream of mine is that, like, the characters feel like they are – or that the players feel like their characters matter in the world beyond just like yeah. doing quests and, and, and stuff like that, if that makes sense. So no, hundred um, percent. It's a living world that their characters are, are part of. Yeah. And like a, like I, I, so the way I world build, um, is I, I just start with a, with a map and basically draw shapes until I'm like, Oh, this looks mm-hmm. like an interesting world. Um, let's name a couple places. And I throw some names on it. Um, maybe throw a few cities and then write like one to two sentences about each like continent or country mm-hmm. or whatever, or region. Um, and that's, that's basically what I presented to the, the group and was like, what do any of these like little sentences resonate with you? And then, or is there something else that you want in the world? So like, mm-hmm. um, one of our players, Michael, Michael Kritz on, on, uh, uh, social medias, um, wanted like an island nation that really resembled Wakanda um, in a lot of ways or was inspired by Wakanda and that wasn't originally in our world um, but because it was so loose right we I he and I went in and just made that and now and now it's a part of the world and it's it's a very significant piece of our world um, because that's what he really wanted for his character um, to be from a place like that um, we have deities that were created um, by our players as opposed to me being like, this is the Pantheon. You have to choose a god from this place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Adelaide created this deity, and we have this whole this whole major arc that's kind of been going um, on from the beginning of the podcast um, up till now that has to deal with like the celestial gods, in specific her god, who's Sala, the goddess of justice, and... Um, and it's connected to another one of our characters who's a warlock, a celestial warlock, and, and there's all sorts of connections. But it's all this, like, organic, um, truly, co- I, I, I really I really value the collaborative side of TTRPGs because mm-hmm. that's what makes it so different than <laughs> writing a novel, right? Oh, yeah. Or, or doing an audio drama or whatever. It's like this is this is our world that we're building together. So, um, yeah, and it's it's been this like really really wild journey of like um, the group that we started with isn't isn't the group we have now because um, people's lives change. We've been going for two and a half years now. Oh my god! How dare yeah, people's and- life change? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like we've had a global pandemic and life ch- life-altering, world-altering events over the last two to three years. Right. Um, <laughs> Gosh, they but, make it uh, sound like the world's on fire and, and yeah. price gap oh. and inflation. It's like, come on now. It's yeah, priorities, <laughs> people. Roll dice. That's, it's important. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, w- but we've added, like, so, so Chris, 
was someone who um, she joined our podcast about a year after we started. Um, Emily joined about two years after we started. Um, a different Emily, that'll be confusing, was originally in our show and had to step away and we miss her. And if they ever do hear this podcast, we, we miss you, Emily, and you can come back at any point, uh, <laughs> which she knows. But um, yeah, it's, it's just been, it's so wild to see this evolve and to, to like have a discord de dedicated to our patrons that like people interact with us about this story that we told and or that we're telling and um are emotionally invested in these characters we've created and stuff it's it's it it really is it, it really is pretty mind-blowing so and it's super impressive like you have over a hundred episodes of your podcast now which is a huge uh congratulations for that uh, first Thank off you. but with creating this world and stuff for folks that might not know about fey forge academy or um not be familiar with the podcast what's kind of your your sales pitch for for new listeners to yeah why they should so... uh, apply to the fey forge academy <laughs> as it were. The, the reason you should apply um or at least take a campus visit uh is, Watch out is, for the, the the woods in the east, though. I, yeah, I there are some rowdy. there's some dryads in there that are grumpy and um <laughs> and stuff. No, I I think um one of the things that that sets us apart from just your average D and D podcast is one. It it really is very collaborative and story driven. We have a phenomenal cast. Um, of role play first players um, that are a hundred percent happy to sacrifice like their character for story for story moments. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and so it's really deep. We have really deep lore, but at, at the end of the day, um, I think what's what Faith Forge is about is telling a beautiful story. Cause I, I, when I write, I try to, I try to reflect emotions that I'm feeling on in like my inside. And so, um, and so do our, our, our players are all kind of in sync in telling this, this really deep story that is impactful to us as people. Um, mm -hmm. and, and does make the world a better place. I, I, we've, we've talked a lot as a cast that like, if, if our story if if our podcast isn't making the world a little more beautiful then we don't really want to do it anymore yeah and um and and i think we we've we've done it we have created this story with these really deep moments and these um moving arcs and this like wonderful whimsical magical world that um all started around this this school this magical school and the story of these six students um, hearing this, like I mentioned in our in that little piece that we that we did at, at the very beginning, this song um, that they hear differently than most people in the world because they have a deeper connection to magic, and they get dragged into this millennia's long like conflict between like gods and devils and and 
mortals and deities and good and evil and um it's it's just it really is it's it's been an incredible journey and i know i'm very biased as the mm-hmm. as the gm <laughs> but um it's it's a powerful story yeah it, it it sounds so cool and i love the idea of the the singing tree and taking a look at the art and everything that's been made like on the website it's beautiful and like you said it so perfectly captures the whimsical nature and everything it's it really really is very cool and how it's so connected and kind of like in between the the fey wild and the material plane and has to and kind of exist in that in between it's um I, i love that whimsical nature and now you mentioned how what brought all the characters together was they heard this song um what would your song be like? What would the song sound like to you? Oh gosh, um, I'm calling dibs good... on Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone. <laughs> I'm just putting that right right no, out there. It's, the... it's be Danger Zone. So, so the music that I hear when I'm like writing, mm-hmm. um, especially when I'm writing for those like more magical, like sort of whimsical moments, is like I don't know if you're familiar with the band Seeger Rose. Um, Not familiar. They're an Icelandic like they they sound magical to me like they and they they evoke that feeling of when you're a kid and you and you still believe that magic is real and you see something that like verifies that in your mind Mm -hmm. um like that's the feeling i get and that's like sort of that what that song is and um so it's like a combination of that and then if you're familiar with there's another band called explosions in the sky um uh, I'm, like... I'm writing these down so I remember for later because I, I <laughs> I'm big with when I'm writing my stuff for for my game that I run with my friends. Music is such a big part, so I'm hundred uh, percent with you and always looking for good new uh, inspirational Here. tracks. I just I just sent them to you, so uh, Perfect, the first one's hard you. to the first one's hard to spell. <laughs> um, Much appreciated. And the first one is they're an Icelandic band, really cool. And then explosions in the sky. If you do need music for when you're writing. Um, it's all instrumental. It's this, it's a oh, post rock, like instrumental band. That's, uh, really, really great. But those are kind of the sounds that I hear of this, like that, like, at least for me, when I hear music by either of those bands, it like, it makes my, <laughs> this is going to sound so weird. Uh, it makes my insides feel like there's something more or something greater or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but. No, I, I, I like that. It's, I mean, it's not Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone, but I mean, it, it's a, it's a really, really strong second choice. That's um, yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, I mean, you can't really compete with Danger Zone as the thing. It's true. So it's, 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 it pumps you up. But no, like when you're creating and writing and listening to music, how much of the Faith Forge Academy story so far has been? things you've kind of planned or not super far out, but as the story kind of unfolds naturally and how much has it been spur of the moment, your players are doing something you weren't expecting them to do. You just kind of pull it out of your ass and then, Hey, this is kind of cool. I'm going to run with it. Yeah. Um, that I would say it's, I would say it's a pretty healthy mix of both. I don't Mm -hmm. know if, I don't know if it's 50, 50, 60, 40, um, a lot of the lore, so um, 
So I write things in layers um, and I don't write specific things so that things can unfold naturally. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like I like I have a really hard time <clears throat> running like um, like any of the D&D &D modules because yeah. there's so much more formulaic and that that really stresses me out because I feel like I'm going to forget something. There's so many details to remember. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot to balance. Right. And so like. I try to, when I'm world building, build out the things that are relevant to the party at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so like, like when we first started, the school grounds, the professors, like other students, those things were all were all built out in my mind. But stuff that's across the world in a different continent, like I don't, I don't know anything about it. Like I know mm -hmm. that the name of one of the continents is uh, Enderfall is one of our continents. Good name. What goes on there? What goes on there? Who knows? We'll find out someday. Um, but just say spoilers. It makes you <laughs> makes you sound like you really got you know what's going on. It's like spoilers. That's that's a great tip. I'm 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 locking that one away. There you go. Um, but but then I then I build out like okay. So if if they're why are they at the school? What's what's the what's the first conflict that they're gonna that they're really gonna encounter? And who who are the pieces that the players don't necessarily know yet? And what are their goals? So I have that in mind. Mm -hmm. And and so like th we started at like level two, right? So it's not like they're it's not like they're facing the big bad of the campaign anytime soon. Um, they're going to be facing underlings. So yep. so then who's who's in charge of this of who they think of as as their big bad currently? Who's in charge of that? What's that next layer? And so usually I have two or three layers like that of like these pieces that are much bigger than the characters and then they can shift based on what the characters do. And, and I can have those things react in a more natural way based on where the characters go. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty, I feel like I push the pace pretty quickly mm -hmm. as a GM where I'm, I, I, I've never been accused of railroading. I don't think that I do that where I'm like, this is the way you have to go. And actually I know I don't because my players throw me for loops all the time, but I throw plot hooks at them pretty yeah. consistently um, so that they have something to grab onto and, and go do, even mm -hmm. though the world is like, for lack of a better way of saying it, a sandbox. Right. Um, yeah. But in my experience, when you're just like, okay, you have the whole world. What are you going to do? Players are like, Oh, 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 I get, I don't know. I don't know. And, and so giving, giving them things to grab onto helps push that mm -hmm. forward. And then, and then they can engage the sandbox a lot better. So, um, yeah, I would say, I would say 50, 50 because they, I mean, I've got six players at my table that are all these like incredibly imaginative mm -hmm. role players that come up with some of the coolest shit. <laughs> and so and like I don't want to I don't like being a GM that's like no you can't do that because I'm not prepared yeah or or, or whatever I want I want to encourage them to create something that is far beyond what I could have imagined initially mm -hmm. rule of cool mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah darn those players for throwing us for for a loop and completely doing things we aren't expecting curse curse those, oh. those players those imaginative, <laughs> sure. good idea players. Man. Yeah, making good stories and <sighs> so uh. such good storytellers. <laughs> uh, one thing that I really appreciate about 
Fey Forge is the honestly the length of your episodes. I feel like so many actual play shows and like D and D podcasts feel just long, and it's like yours are very consistently around the hour hour between like the forty five and like hour ten mark. It's just there's such good digestible sizes. Now, yeah. do you all usually play? like once a month or like three or four hours or when you guys play do you play for only like an hour like how do you guys yeah what's your production kind of process so like? um we record two episodes every time we have a session so we do basically a three-hour session mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and we get two episodes out of that most of the time um but the the hour episodes is is very intentional um because i don't i don't like listening to stuff that's longer than an hour it just mm-hmm. like especially since we release every week um it can pile up really really fast so like like the best example for me is critical role right they release a four-hour episode every week and and so if you want to stay up with the community you're you're dedicating like a really significant chunk of your time and your life oh yeah um to try to keep up with um this show and and i didn't i didn't want that i wanted it to be something that for an hour a week People could go on this magical journey with us um, and then move on. And then and then we also like the other thing that is really intentional about our production is we have at this point, I think we have four different jumping on points um, outside of like starting from episode one. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's the other thing is like I personally like to be caught up with shows. But again, if you take critical role, if you start on like their current episode right now, yeah, you'll be like, what is happening? I don't, they're, mm-hmm. they very clearly have these inside jokes and they're referencing all these NPCs and like all this stuff is happening. And so like our most recent, and this actually is kind of funny bringing up the like 45 minutes to an hour and an hour and 10 mark. Um, I had a really hard time. <laughs> I almost, I almost split it in two because I think the episode ended up being like an hour and 34 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we gave a, like I gave a, um, a world overview what's happened in the story so far. Each of our players did like an internal monologue about where they're at, like kind of what are the major points for them mm-hmm. um, so that people could jump in what at episode cool 100 instead of like, instead of like, Oh, well, if I want to know what's going on, I have to go back to episode one and listen to a hundred hours of a TTRPG. Um, cause that's, that's, that really is asking a lot of an audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that's such a good idea, um, to have that aspect and for that jumping off point and just for people that haven't been listening or just need a reminder of things that have happened before. And like you mentioned specifically critical roles, like when season three or campaign three starts, like, okay, this is the one I'm going to be caught up on. And it lasted for maybe five or six episodes, and then it's like, okay, I would miss one. or Because with being on the East Coast, it's like mm. new episodes don't go on until 10 at night, and they, like you said, go for four hours, and they're on Thursday, so I work the next day. And it's just like, I can't stay up until yeah. like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning to listen. Like, I like the episodes, and I blink, and now I'm like 10 episodes behind, and I have... A hundred percent. More of a week. I have more of a work week's worth of critical role. I have to somehow put somewhere in my already busy life. And it's just like, oh, where where will I get the time? 
Yeah, and and I like that. And and to those of you who are critters and and you yeah. are able to keep up and stuff like that, like that's awesome. I'm yeah. really happy for you that you 100%. have something like that that you love so much. I just can't do it. Like I I. It's, and 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 even I will say like, they're they're amazing storytellers, amazing voice yeah. actors, um, incredibly funny, but but it's also like this story that like, <laughs> is pretty detailed right and so it's, it's mm-hmm. also not something that like if you want to stay caught up on it you can like i or at least me my, myself i shouldn't say someone else but for myself like i can't um i can't do something else and listen to them yeah and so it's so it's just like well i want to this is our show is about giving people a escape for an hour and so it's palatable yeah. They can move on with their life. It's like a good commute. Like we have a lot of yeah. people who are like, yeah, I listened to half of it on the way to work, half of it on the way home. It's like perfect. Um, that's that's what we hope for. Though the pandemic kind of screwed screwed some of that up. But um. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I hear that. Yeah, it's it's not a good like show that you can have on the background while you're working. Like when mm-hmm. you want to listen to Critical Role or watch it, it's like that's what you do. I'm very much like you. It's like, I need to pay attention because it is lore heavy, character driven, lots of fantastic role play, Mm -hmm. but it's not just background noise, at least. Which is like, that's the kind of D and D that I love. Like, like fully, like I, I like to think that that's how our show feels just in much smaller bites. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. One, one quarter of the, the bite. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Now, with everything, like, with for what I do is I have Google Docs of mm-hmm. world lore and individual continent lore and group lore, stuff like that. What's kind of your organizational style? Do you have stuff written down? Do you have your own Google Docs? If so, how many pages are your Google Docs? Do you want to compare doc sizes is what I'm saying. Well, um... How big is your doc, Stephen? But... <laughs> Is it a massive doc? Uh, kind of smaller? Um, Do you cram? Is it girthy? It's it's a whole like bag of docs. <laughs> um, um, big old bag of docs. Yeah. No. Um. It's, so it's funny that you would use the word organizational system, because uh, that's <laughs> I feel like that's kind of aggressive for what I do. Um, <laughs> I would like to. I really have like a. Um, just a trash bag full of shit mm-hmm. <laughs> that I call my world lore. Um, no, I've got like I'm. I just opened up my Google Drive <laughs> talk, and I've got like I don't know twenty folders in here currently. Um, I do have like I have a I have a dedicated like each session like GM notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have. The school setting itself, I have a doc for each continent. Uh, I have a doc for each character. I have a lot of maps. Um, a lot of just like random. I, I I have world lore built out more in stories as opposed to like bullet points, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So I have a lot of like short stories in here um, about like. Oh, this is where the gods came from. This is where whatever. But but I, part of the reason I do that is because then it's really easy to then um, 
like in in character in game give that lore to the players as opposed to like here's fact number one about the world here's fact number two Mm -hmm. um and the other thing that i think is fun about that is i i try to write them in sort of a myth kind of a fashion Mm -hmm. because that gives a little bit more flexibility as a dm right because if it's a myth if it's written as a myth maybe maybe actually in world what that lore is is not exactly what i originally wrote like there's room it gives room for flexibility does that does that make sense it's painless retconning that you can it's just retconning but you're not retconning exactly never set in stone that's smart exactly that idea um and so especially anything that has to do with history um anything that has to do with history is 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 done done in that fashion um and and it's allowed it's allowed a lot of the the way that our story has evolved to take shape mm-hmm. but but yeah so much i mean so many i think how many according to uh google drive i've used 20 gigabytes of my 30 gigabytes that i have access to <laughs> <laughs> i would Suppressive. say i would say Probably ninety percent of that is Fayforge specific stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot there. <laughs> but you have so much to pull on then later on, and if you need to, yeah, if I can find it. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing, one thing I'm curious about is, you are over a hundred episodes in now. What is mm-hmm. something from early on that you maybe had set up? that your players missed what is something that you had or a path not traveled in an oh ult- gosh yeah i mean there's there's tons of them um the first one that comes to mind is there was a way for um there they were given a key that would have opened a portal to the celestial planes that they never went through um, or that they never really mm-hmm. followed up on that. Um, there was a, there, I mean, well, gosh, I'd have to go back and look at some of my old notes. Let's just, let's pull up what's, what happened on episode eight and nine. Look at these real quick. Um, yeah, it's it's always interesting to see, because uh, I I play an offline game just with personal friends in a world that I've kind of created or that I have created, and it's mm-hmm. been interesting. Like there have been points where, especially in between like big arcs, where it's like, okay, you have quests that will lead you this way, like you can take a job that will lead you this way or this way. Which do you, which path yeah. do you travel in? Each path will have I had set up where different they would encounter characters that would be meaningful or reveal other things about different characters backstories so it's i like to sprinkle those into my my games um, yeah to just see That's, I, what what happens yeah i think i think one of the things that is as i'm just like looking back through some some of my old notes is mm-hmm. i i really only put stuff in like like I'll put little plot hooks and and I and I won't really develop very much until I see what direction the the players are going. Mm-hmm. So um, like 
my our very first session my my notes are like three or four pages long um like single space like there's there's all sorts of stuff um yeah four pages single spaced um <laughs> with a bunch of different um like plot hooks and things that they could they could connect on um and and kind of the way I do stuff is I I, I kind of have this constant dialogue about this game in my head. <laughs> Where could they go next? What choices are they going to make? What happens if they do this? What happens if they do that? Like I I actually really have a hard time shutting that off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so a lot of the things that I have written in my notes are just like I probably back when I wrote these two plus years ago, like had a whole a whole like arc based on if they went this other way mm-hmm. but because they chose the direction they chose like that stuff's just like basically gone from my head yeah if that makes sense no 100 percent. you can only cram so much plot into your head yeah and In especially with plot. like we have we have six characters mm-hmm. and i'm a very like character focused gm Mm-hmm. where all the characters' backstories are part of the major plot as well, and they're all connected to one another. And so there's all these different moving pieces all the time that if if they choose not to pursue something, I just have to kind of cut it and, le- and let it go and, and not worry about it. Or mm-hmm. if it's something really significant, I try to write stuff as though it's almost like a puzzle um, where I can move stuff around and find find a better mm-hmm. spot for it to fit later. Yeah, well, that's um, a good so idea. If it, so if it's significant, like if it's really significant about, like to be revealed, like that's revealing about a character or is like about a, is a plot hook for one of our characters to find out more about like answers they're looking for and they skip that, that one, that'll go in my back pocket and be like, okay, we're going to mm-hmm. find a new way for them to learn about this. Um, it's not lost material if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then other other stuff is just like, okay, if they didn't pursue this this random thing with one of the other students on campus, is there going to be a consequence for that? Not necessarily, and and I don't mean like consequence like I'm going to punish the characters, but like, right? Are there any ripple effects from them not pursuing that, or is it something small enough that it just is gone? And then, yeah. So there's there's definitely lots and lots of different mm-hmm. things that I've put out there that they have gone different ways, but I I prefer it that way. Yeah, <laughs> if that makes sense. No, for sure. How do you approach or what's your thought? Like, do you like the occasional choice or situation that could have like world rippling, like worldwide rippling effects? Oh, all the time. Okay. Yes. Love them. Love them. Um, there's been a bunch <laughs> uh, with with this campaign. Because this, I, I really wanted to, di- di- like, um, push into the, like, like, D&D is really, like, when you look at what it's written, it's high fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. And so that is, like, epic heroes and um, massive good versus evil sorts of fights and stuff like that. That's what it's really written mm-hmm. for, like, mechanically. Um, and I wanted to push into that. And so if you're going to do that, like, if you're going to push into that, there have to be kind of world-altering events yeah. at, at various points. Um, so one of the, the – spoilers. Um, at the beginning of, of the the story, most of the world doesn't have any access to magic. Um, 
And um, that's what makes the singing tree so special and our students in particular so special that they have they actually have a connection and they can actually cast spells as opposed to just making magical artifacts. Um, that makes them very unique. And through a series of a bunch of events, um, including actually we have some streamed games that um, are set in our world mm -hmm. um, that were like these eight to ten uh, session mini mini campaigns that also affect the main storyline. Um, like, so through a bunch of different uh, events, like magic got brought back almost instantaneously into the world. And so that's like, that's a really world altering event, right? Oh yeah. Um, that Getting our golden are just... sun vibes. I don't know if you mm -hmm. ever played that series. I, I didn't. On Game Boy Advance and everything. Very good series. Very good game. Uh, very good RPG series, but that's very oh, nice. Cool. And so, so our characters right now are like, they're just coming face to face with like, oh my gosh, this is what actually happened. Um, this world that we thought we were, we were navigating is a hundred percent different than it was. Um, so, so yeah, I love I love that kind of stuff. I that I, that actually answers kind of the next question I had. Like, what's a plot hook that you have kind of introduced and teased your players that you just absolutely cannot wait? for them to to reach the culmination of or like the what you've what the hook has been dangling um there is one uh there is one for uh i'm trying so so one of our characters has an entity living inside of them mm -hmm. that is very powerful and I cannot wait to reveal who that entity is. Nice. Because uh, it's going to make things really complicated <laughs> for the characters um, and possibly the world. Um, so that's that's one. Um, and and I've I've spent a lot of time weaving the character stories together. And so I'm. We're still we're still probably a ways away. We're mm -hmm. our characters are level eleven right now. We started at level two. My goal is to get to level twenty. Um, I want to do the I want to do the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but getting to that point where all six characters' stories finally converge into this one moment, um, that I'm really really excited for um, to see. And I don't have I don't have like a set in stone like this is what's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. But I have these threads that, like, if you pull on one, it's going to affect the other, mm -hmm. if if that makes sense. And I am really excited to see how that plays out and what their reactions are as they get closer to those moments. That that's very that that sounds very cool. One of the things that I did for for my group was I think it was for it, I, one of our it might have been our first anniversary. Um, campaign special like where we all played together for a longer session but I basically had them meet and play as their level 20 selves in an alternate timeline to see like oh, cool. what could potentially happen and then mm -hmm. finding out that the events that their future selves ended up doing led to kind of the events and the path that they're currently on and the timelines already kind of diverged mm. and it's dropping little facts and one of the two of the characters came back through kind of a portal fighting like a demon. Um, and they've met back up with one of the, the future characters 
but the other is potentially just somewhere in the world. So there there could potentially just be like a level 20, 50 year older version of themselves somewhere. <laughs> That's wild. I love that. That sounds super fun. And it, it, it was really cool because I let my, let the players be like, okay, I'm, so basically I made their characters. I, I was like, what would you see like in a more war ravaged kind of world? What would you see your character being? And they gave me mm. basically the class that they think would be that would be could be slightly different or a different subclass. And then oh, I went and ran with, okay, I'll outfit them. I, I made them magic weapons that kind of tie into other things that they might discover throughout the world and everything. But the idea was, okay, you had this general idea because these characters are still yours, but these are characters of a path you didn't choose. They are, they are lives that you haven't lived yet. So that's a, I that's a really cool multiverse them. sort of sort of a thing. That's yeah. really cool. Just gonna take a couple notes. Yeah, happy, <laughs> happy to share. That, that's one of the things. Like, I w- honestly and like you and like hearing about the the world. Like Chris has kind of dabbled in other DMs that have homebrewed their own worlds. Like, I would love to just sit down and like as DMs off like a podcast like not on a podcast where any of our players could listen to it and but just be like okay so this is the bonkers ass thing i'm gonna hurl at my players like yeah this week i would love to do just like a dungeon master hangout where we just spill all the beans we currently have in our heads for their campaigns that's one of the worst things is like right so so my group is like they're all my friends, yeah. right? And and so I want to be like, I want to be like, y'all, guess what we're gonna do on Sunday? Oh, I I can't I can't tell you. Yeah. Oh shoot. Uh, like, and that's that's the worst. Yeah, and like for my the game that I described to you, like my wife is one of the players, so even now, like I can't like be like really <laughs> oh, no. like go for it because she's one of the players, and I don't want to spoil stuff. Like I just said, what she's like, they've already known and played, but it's like. Yeah, I, ju- I just want to be like, look at my notes, look at what, the, the like you said, the plot hooks. This is where I'm planning to lead it to. This is, I would hundred percent love to like schedule and like do that. If, yeah, if you're down sometime. And just... Yeah, I am down. We should do that. Because um, <laughs> I, it, well, and it's so it's so helpful to have these sorts of conversations, because sometimes it feels like. Like for me, I feel like I'm creating in this vacuum, mm-hmm. and I'm writing this story in a vacuum. And so I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I is is this are, are my players gonna like this? Is this is this fun? Is this a good idea? Or is this like, do I need to do I need to burn this all down and start and start yeah. from scratch? Like like have I gone off have I gone off the rails? Or are we are we still good? Is this still a good yeah. idea? Has this crossed the line from being really cool to being overly convoluted? Like that, yes. that balance. Yes, absolutely. Um, we'll figure I, it out. I mean, I one of the things I I think about a lot is like, and I'm and I'm actively working on mm-hmm. from a GM standpoint is remembering that all the stuff about the world that I have that's in my head is not in my players' head. Mm-hmm. Like they they don't know that, and it's not like they could go pick up the like the supplement book. Yeah, like the Fae Forge handbook or whatever it is and be like, Oh, this is, this is what's happening in Avastria. This is like, I, and I, I have some stuff that I've presented them, but I also don't want to like, 
like you don't you never want to put the onus on your characters to do homework right like yeah. or on your players to do homework like like you guys need to read this 12 page document that i wrote um or else you're not going to understand next session like people are going to be like all right uh i'm either just not going to understand next session or i'm out like yeah so if anything it's on our shoulders to do the homework like last week my players were in a library and wanted to search out books and they found them but it was like i want to know the more detail in detailed description and whatnot of this religion or could i get these maps from 50 years ago and it's like i will give you them next week (laughs) yeah well and that's such a that's such an important skill to have as a dm is is like one, if I mean, we talked about like when your players throw you a curveball, or if they're asking for stuff that you don't have yet, like it's okay to it's okay to be like, I'm still working on that. <laughs> like, yeah. um, here's the here's the the cliff notes of what I have in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you something that's a more finalized thing in a week or two or whatever. Yeah. And then the other thing is like, if your players throw a big curveball at you, like going like, I'm not I'm not prepared for this. Like, mm-hmm. let's give me, give me till next session. Like, let's call it for the night. And yeah, because it's, especially in those like really big moments. Like I'm thinking like, like when someone casts a wish spell, mm-hmm. like, and, and there, and the wish is like some potentially world altering thing. Like, I feel like at least for me, I don't want to pull that out of my ass. Right. right? Like I want to give that, I want to give that the like the respect that like this big decision that our players have been probably working towards and having this conversation about and thinking about, like, I want to give it that same, that same sort of thought. Um, And they deserve it. The players and you and the world deserve kind of that rich and kind of deep thought to make it worthwhile. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is like when, when everyone at the table is about everyone else at the table having a good time and telling a good story and whatever that is. If ever, as long as everyone's on the same page, then that stuff comes really easy. Mm-hmm. Like it's when it's when you have a group with like you've got two people who um, all they care about is like trying to mess with the DM. You've got two people who are super super like narrative role play focused, and then you've got two people who all they want to do is crawl through a dungeon and fight monsters. All three of those ways are perfectly good ways to play. But if you're not on the same page, that's where you start having problems. That's where someone throws a wish spell out and two people want you to just come up with something ridiculous and silly Mm -hmm. right then. Your narrative people want to have this really significant world altering moment. Your dungeon crawl people are just like, I just, great. Does that mean I get to fight more monsters? Let's do that. Yeah. Can I wish for better loot? Um, yeah, exactly. And it's like, and, and, and so anyways, that's, that was a lot of words to say, like that works best when you're all on the same page and you're talking about it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and I've mentioned this in previous tabletop episodes, communication is so important between like to make a really good tabletop campaign mm-hmm. between it the is. players and the DM, like, players, if you're not really feeling what the DM's doing, let us know. And vice versa, and it's like, hey, what are you, uh, DMs and game masters, t- ask your players, what are you most interested in? And kind of yeah. like, what are you feeling? And that, that communication will only benefit everybody at your table. 
A hundred percent. And doing just like emotional check-ins, like you guys like the story, you want to change something, like makes a big difference. We had um, in a recent session, one of our players got was frustrated about how something was going and we sat and talked through it halfway through the session so that we could get back on the same page and um, and make sure everyone was good because that's, I mean, e even in a, even though we run a show and, um, mm -hmm. and stuff like my, my stance is always at the end of the day, the people around the table matter more than the story that we're telling. Yeah. And so, so that communication thing is, is essential. Mm-hmm. And, and the better everyone is better time everybody is having at the table the better store the, the better story yep that that will be created from it there's no downside yep at the end of the day I absolutely agree yeah but I Steven I feel like I could just sit and like nerd out and talk about all these awesome concepts with you for hours and hours on end this is a lot of fun but before uh, as we kind of start wrapping up to keep it a around the comfortable hour mark. I did have a couple of submissions for uh, one or two submissions for questions that people mm -hmm, had mm -hmm. regarding uh, Faye Forge. Uh, one of the main question was kind of a fun one. And it was which cast member and which character are most likely to cheat when thumb wrestling. Okay. The, the, from the... Chris gear, Geary, uh, Geary. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is, Chris is a good friend of mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh trying to trying to create drama within the cast the uh the character is easy that's bumble uh who is a goblin barbarian um and just a giant ball of chaos wonderful character played by kai um actual human around the table i'm gonna say Oh, that's really that's really hard. Um, I feel like I feel like. See, you could just like say it's... spoilers if you 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 just rely on that that trick yeah. from earlier. Just spoilers. spoilers! You'll have to check out episode one hundred and sixty-seven. You heard <laughs> it here first, out. folks. Giant thumb wrestling competition tournament in episode 167. <laughs> Got 65 uh, episodes to wait, but it'll be worth it. Yeah. Okay, my, 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 my real answer is I think it would depend on the situation, but I could definitely see Adelaide trying to cheat in a thumb wrestling match. What do you think their uh, go-to cheating strat would be? Think like sneaking the index finger? Oh, I mean, you got to sneak the index finger. Yeah. That's... I. There's not really many other ways to cheat in thumb wrestling. <laughs> it's true. You could do, hey, look behind you. That the, the classic look behind you trick. That's oh, I mean, and that's always a good one. That, it is. That is always. It's a classic for great. a reason, right? <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's the old go-to. And this was my question: Hot dogs in your world in Avestria are they considered tacos or sandwiches? Uh. I would never, ever, ever disgrace the name of a taco by comparing a hot, saying a hot dog is a taco. Um, I'm half Mexican. Okay. And, and so I hold the taco in very high regards. And to, to say that a tube of, of maybe meat in a maybe. bun <laughs> is in the same, the same family as a taco is, 
oh, I can't do it. I can't would, do it. Would you say, in that same regard, though, would you say a hot dog is cl- perhaps closest to a Taco Bell taco? Which I would, I would classify that as maybe meat. I, I could, I could be okay with that. I, I yeah, I, that, that I will, I will permit. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Taco Bells exist in Avestria. Yep, that's mm-hmm. yep. We're, 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 our characters are on their way right yep. now. It's it's fourth meal before the uh, big fight, and and I guess spur of the moment question: What's the Fae Forge's Academy mascot? Um, and wow, what is the Fae Forge Academy's best sport? Wow, these are two two things that I actually have never considered. Um, so I'm gonna say that the mascot has got to be a pseudo dragon. No, a fairy dragon. A fairy dragon. It's gotta be it's gotta be mm-hmm. the mascot of the Fey Forge Academy, of this this school that's in between the Fey Wilds and the Material Plane. Gotta be a fairy dragon. Um what was the second question? Uh, what sport does Fae Forge Academy excel at in their division? Um, curling. Curling. I think they're Love I it. think they're big curlers. Big yeah. curlers. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I mean, and does your mascot have a funny name? Is it an actual pseudo dragon that you use, or is it someone in a furry pseudo dragon or a pseudo pseudo dragon? like costume that they wear. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely cause is our bard uh mm-hmm. in our party. It's definitely cause uh dressed up as a pseudo dragon uh who is named uh his his name is is Jeff the pseudo dragon. The mighty Jeff the pseudo dragon. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um always there the, at those curling matches. Man. Yeah, at, at it, which is it's it's a very traditional Fey way of naming things. Um, Jeff is a very a very traditional Fey name. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love. Hey, works for. Uh, see, this is what you get at RPG University. You get the exclusives yeah. about hot dogs and character thumb wrestling tournaments, mascots, and curling. Yeah, it's this. It's the stuff it's you want to hear. Exactly, exactly. So thank you uh, for submitting the question, Chris, I think it was. That was, uh, mm-hmm. Chris, thank you for submitting the thumb wrestling question. We appreciate it. Now we are going to get to uh, a, a bit some, as we're both DMs, and there might be a lot of, uh, there are a lot of you out there that might be struggling to put together what makes a good NPC, or how do you make a good NPC that players can latch on to. So, uh, Steven, what advice would you give to new dungeon masters or game masters or experienced ones on creating good NPC characters? I think um, I, I have two two things that come to mind. Uh, one is don't don't put too much into an NPC. Um, know know their general detail have like a motivation and a fact or two about them and then let them develop organically because 
the character's relationship will develop organically with with that character as well because they don't need to know everything right up front about mm -hmm. who this character is and so so then you can allow that character to um kind of fill in in a much more natural organic way than like trying to front load all these facts and information about who this character is and what their personality is like and what they care about and um who their partner is and uh what kind of quirks they have when you start digging too deep you kind of overwhelm what you're doing with an npc and they, and in my experience they actually end up feeling flatter um mm -hmm. and then the second piece i would have is because every gm at some point your your party's going to go into a tavern they're going to be like who's in this tavern you're going to be like shit i don't know who's in this tavern you're going to make up four or five randomly described npcs you're only going to remember one of them um because because the characters are going to yep. latch on to one of these npcs um but listen listen to your players in those moments and see what is making them excited about the scene that you're setting and then take those pieces that they are enjoying that they are latching onto and run with those good good advice good advice i like all those and for my advice it will kind of be going alongside what steven said is don't try to force an npc down your players throats if they're not really liking it or just kind of hitting flat don't try to make a favorite npc mm -hmm. i think you you can come out uh, come off as just being a try hard and turn your players off it's a, like i said it's about the communication and re also reading the table and also kind of on the same line uh, as my second tip realize that the characters the npcs that your players will probably most grab onto is a random one you pulled out of nowhere whose name you just made up on the fly and they'll just absolutely fall in love with yep why i don't know it's it's what players do yep a hundred percent they like chaos 100%. players love chaos they bath they bathe in chaos i agree and that and I just think, happens I to be Case. And I think it I think it comes from that like w there's this element of like when you are creating an NPC like just off the cuff that mm -hmm. the characters like it it becomes that like collaborative experience, right? And yeah. and that's it's 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 so it's so fun and silly. Yeah. Do you have a character that was kind of born by that that you've just fallen in love with since your it his, their spontaneous creation? Um, in Not Quite Heroes, there was a couple goblins that were playing chess or dragon chess with a giant um, that I really that our party really loved um, because they were playing on a giant um, chessboard, and so the pieces that they were using were the same size as them. So they were like running around <laughs> moving these chess pieces, playing against this giant, um, and they all talked like Stitch. So, well, this is this is what they all sounded like. The goblins, the talk like Stitch. Um, it was, it was, and it was just one of those things where I just was like, uh, I, I'm putting this in for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and our party really, really enjoyed them. Nice. Nice. Yep. Well, we are getting to the end of the episode, but we're also getting to one of my favorite parts of these tabletop episodes, the getting classy or getting racy segment. So Steven, are we getting racy tonight or a little classy? Oh, um, 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little, a little racy. We're 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 feeling spicy tonight. Feeling spicy. I like it. So this, we are going. Stephen and I are going to create spontaneously create a brand new race or sub race for people to potentially play us if they want. So, Stephen, what race are we creating? I feel like oozes have been on my mind recently. Okay. So some some sort of playable ooze. Okay. We thinking just like a, a well, Okay. I feel? I'm thinking I'm going to describe I'm going to describe what I see in my head. Okay. Um it's a it's a small creature mm-hmm. that is humanoid in that like it looks like f- flubber. <laughs> um mm-hmm. and can look like a human if it wants to. Um the the ooze elements of it are very um, sparkly, mm-hmm. like lots of glitter, glitter and swirls of of like pinks and greens and purples, but also translucent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say I'd say on average they're like between one and a half and three feet tall. Um, and for some reason they have fairy wings. That sounds cool. I like that. Um, I'm. What about gummy folk? Because I'm thinking like into it. Yes, gummy like 100%. gummy bears, kind of like kind of because they're kind of translucent and they come in all sorts of different colors and they're kind of small and it's not mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. playing off of just like the stereotypical like ooze name. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Gummy folk. I'm into it, and they were probably created by um, some sort of hag. Um that had a gingerbread house but wanted friends yeah uh, like as oh like a, a familiar <laughs> like they originally started as like familiars that gained mm-hmm. sentience yes yes i'm into it familiar that gained sentience uh you said they have fairy wings yeah yeah you got to have fairy wings yep okay i like it i like it so we got age or we have the size you said between one to three feet tall, so they're mm-hmm. considered small. Um, mm-hmm. How like what's their age range? Like how old do the, the the gummy folk usually last? I feel like they I feel like they'd have short lifespans, but I don't know if that's because they get eaten. Oh. <laughs> I, wa- <laughs> because... I want to I want to look. Uh, how long are gummy bears good for? Oh, that, probably what's, forever. What's the ex <laughs> ex? Okay opened on the count wow i that's news to me so unopened they're saying like best buy plus plus or like plus three to six months unopened they're, they stay are the that's... are when they're the best but opened mm. they will only last about three to six months after they're opened hmm That's I, I have to be honest. The unopened is shorter than I expected. Yeah, well, it does say it's Best Buy. Plus best Buy as opposed to right. So they might still be like. Edible. So maybe, so maybe like maybe these these gummy folk have like a the prime of their life is really short. Right, but they, they live they for a really age, long. They become time. adults in like three months. Yeah, they're adults. They're adults in three months. They're considered elderly after like two years. But they can live for 150 years or something ridiculous yeah. like that. I, I, because like they're gummy, like I get the, 
the idea that like they just kind of split like when they're ready to like quote unquote die they just kind of mm-hmm. split from the old host and they just make another yeah. gummy bear a gun another gummy folk i love it kind of like how oozes and things if you cut them or use different damage they'll just split into two ooze cubes yep it's the same premise of gummy folk yep yep nice. I, f- I feel like that could be one of their abilities one of their racial traits. Yeah, let's figure out their racial traits now. So we have fair... Oh, actually, we need speed. So I'm thinking probably 20 feet, 20, 25 feet because they're small. What are you thinking? Or do they always I was just thinking, fly? So I was thinking like 10 foot walk speed, 30 foot fly speed. Okay. Like, like, okay. Racial traits. We got... Okay, I th- I think I think they're resistant to bludgeoning damage, in I particular, because like of their soft, gooey center. Yep, we'll uh, we'll call that uh, bouncy bodies. That'll that'll be the name <laughs> of the racial trait is bouncy bodies, which gives them resistance to bludgeoning damage. What do you what 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 do you what else do you see? I kind of, I don't know if you, I I don't know how old you are or if you remember this cartoon, but do you remember the old Gummy Bears show? The gold gum, no. Gummy Bear cartoon? Where they're like bears that like, they look like normal bears, but then they drink this juice and then they literally just bounce everywhere. That's amazing. And it had a kick-ass intro, but I'm thinking because of their gummy bodies, they, eh, but they fly. So they don't. They wouldn't really need to bounce places. So never mind. I don't, I don't like that. I idea. mean, maybe their wings don't actually work. No, I like the fairy wings that work. It's like okay, the only. Okay. I like. The, I I get the idea that they're like the only tangible, like corporeal thing that, like the thing that looks most physical on them. Like the rest of them is translucent and sparkly and swirly with colors, and then they just have these perfect, <laughs> beautifully formed and opaque fairy wings that are out their back yeah. for some reason yeah um let's see what about something about um could they... i feel like these, this would have oh. to be fey related so i feel like mm-hmm. fey ancestry would have to be yeah. a thing yep that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um. What? What am I? I'm thinking of something. I need mm. to look it up though. Um. Da, 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 so many things. Okay, this is a bit out there, but what if if there were multiple gummy folk in in an area, or if multiple party members were gummy folk? They could like Voltron together to make like a super gummy folk, and then yes. they like would just grow. So like each gummy folk that like merges together grows in a size. So if you have like five gummy folk together, you could like Megazord into a colossal <laughs> gummy folk with fairy wings. I love that. Is it super OP? Yes. Of Do course. I love it? Yes. <laughs> gummy combination. Merge with as many other c- 
consensually merge. Nice. <laughs> With as many other gummy folk that you can see within 10 feet. Well, yeah, you have figure I think you'd have to you'd have, have to touch, right? So Yeah. Within 5 feet of Yeah. that you're touching. This might be one too many um, no, traits. No, no such thing. No such thing. But I'm thinking these are gummy of, folks, of something they are OP. where they can um, they can throw a piece of themselves, and it does some sort of like um, maybe it's maybe it's almost like acid damage or something like that. But but when they throw part of themselves, they have to sacrifice their HP for it. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Um. Sticky, sticky throw, sticky. Oh, maybe, maybe instead of sticky um, wad. Um, yeah, maybe instead of doing um, like damage, it it's something that that creates um, uh, what's the word? Um, difficult terrain. Yeah, maybe maybe like at like your starting level, you can just throw it and it'll deal like acid damage or something but like at level three or level five you can like give it different properties kind of like how the hobgoblin has like can adjust their or gain Mm -hmm. additional like help options or buff their help ability yeah yeah yeah. i like that so sticky wad what what do we what are we feeling for the name of this this racial ability hmm Gumball? Gummy ball? Gummy ball. I like it. <laughs> Throws a piece of themselves to stick to an enemy if they fail a... Uh, I think they should make an attack roll. I like... Yeah. I like. I don't like saves as things for characters. I like them mm-hmm. to be able to... Because I always feel like it stinks when it's like, oh, it's out of my hands now. Because the other... Like, it's one thing when you miss, mm. but when the character saves, I feel like it's always discouraging. It hits. The ball sticks. The piece of the gummy folk sticks to the enemy. Um, so are we thinking the first, like, initial gummy ball will just do acid damage? Like, 1d, 1D4 think... acid damage? And then, like, at level three, you can choose, like, to specialize your gummy ball. Yeah. 1d4 acid damage for two turns? Or until or until they the enemy uses an action to remove it. Yeah, almost like they're on fire. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And then I think the options that they can choose from... Um, we have the difficult terrain. I think blinding would be good. Like you get that sticky yeah, stuff in your silence. eyes. That's, that's silence yeah. would be good. Get it, get over the mouth. <laughs> Level. What about um? What about charmed? Because it tastes so good. That could be an option too. Tasty, <laughs> tasty gummy ball. Charms yep. an enemy. 
uh, languages do, do the gummy folk speak? I mean, I feel like it's got to speak Sylvan. Mm-hmm. Sylvan in common? Sylvan in common. Works for me. So there we go, everybody. Here is your brand new race created here just for all of you listeners. The race is Gummy Folk, hailing from the Feywilds. They age to adults in about three months and become elderly after two years, but for somehow, they last still like 200 years. They just get crusty and move slower. Their size is small, as they only grow to be about one to three feet tall, and their base walking speed is 10 feet, but using their incredibly opaque and beautiful fairy wings on their back, they can fly 30 feet. They were created from a former hag's familiar that gained sentience and rebelled. Uh, their racial trait include their wings. They have bouncy bodies that gives provides them resistance to bludgeoning damage. Their big attack is the gum, gummy combination ability, which allows them to merge with other gummy folk that are within touching range to create ever-increasing size and strength of super gummy folk. Their other attack is a gummy ball range attack which when it hits the enemy it sticks to them and deals 1d4 damage until it is the sticky ball or the gummy ball is removed and at level 5 you can specialize the gummy ball to either make it them all to stick to the ground creating difficult terrain blinding enemies by hitting it them in the eye silencing them by covering their mouths or charming them if they eat the gummy ball they speak sylvan in common and now you too can play as a Two and a half foot tall gummy folk with wings. Honestly, I'm I might be putting putting these in in the podcast at some point and making a giant gummy. Well, if you do, I'm happy to come <laughs> and voice the gummy folk that you introduce. Amazing, I, amazing. I will I volunteer my my skills. <laughs> but that is going to do it for another episode. Steven, thank you so much. Like this has been such a blast. I had a really oh. good time so did i thank you so much for having me this was i mean it's it's so fun to chat about nerdy stuff i could do it forever i am right there with you right there with you but where can people find you online what do you have cooking go ahead and uh plug away your stuff yeah um you can find me on uh most social medias at the underscore bad dm um or you can follow most of what i do is fay forge academy stuff so um at fay forge but it's f-a-e-f-o-r-g-e academy um so you can find me at those places whether it's twitch or twitter or instagram or maybe other social media places that i forgot that i made accounts but those are the main (laughs) those are the main ones um as far as what what i've got cooking right now it's it's mostly just fayforge academy stuff right now um we release new episodes every week um so we're constantly recording and and adding to this this story that we're telling cool and what day does do they release uh every fayford friday fayford friday i like it that that alliteration i do love me some alliteration but thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service as i'd really appreciate it if you have an rpg you would like us to feature on an episode tweet at underscore rpg university with the hashtag rpgu with your suggestion or you can share your own favorite rpgs directly with me on twitter at professor rpg As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another, class dismissed.